you've tuned into Better in Business with Jeannie. As an award-winning strategic bookkeeper and business veteran, I am dedicated to helping entrepreneurs learn, grow and prosper. This podcast aims to challenge your thinking. If you're not thinking the right way, how can you act the right way? Each episode, we'll dive into key drivers of success, which I also call the rules of the game. Learn the rules, play to win. Let's go. Hello and welcome. Today, we're going to explore how to perform better in business. And to do that, I'm going to interview Jamin Fraser on why self-discipline is overrated and self-permission is key. In all my years working with entrepreneurs, there's one big variable to success. It's you. The you factor. How you operate, how you show up, how you make, break and follow the rules. And I consider Jamin a you expert. Jamin is an author of five books, TEDx speaker and coach. Jamin is the founder of the Insecurity Project and specializes in helping entrepreneurs and leaders eradicate insecurity so they can show up to business and life unhindered by doubt, fear and self-limiting beliefs. He is widely recognized as one of Australia's best life coaches and a leading voice globally on the subject of personal insecurity. For more information on this episode or how you can work with me or Jamin, check out the show notes or visit geniesavage.com. I like to start every episode by reminding you that it is globally recognized that Pillar 1 for the success of any business is up-to-date, accurate bookkeeping. If your books are not right up to date, tune in to episode 1, please. You can also get in touch with me if you'd like some help. Welcome, Jamin. Hey, thanks very much for having me. So Jamin is here to help us do better in business. And to get started, I want to ask Jamin a question. Why do you think that self-discipline is overrated? Well, this is a very countercultural thing to say and pretty counterintuitive because self-discipline is celebrated uh, culturally. You've got people like David Goggins and co really beating the drum loudly around just just be harder just work more just be more focused just push you can do it um but but i think if you consider the mechanics of self-discipline and are curious around how it works it's built on a presupposition that there's something wrong with you that you have to manage so the moment you rest some fat lazy recalcitrant you know, unmotivated, unintelligent part of you is going to come out and take over and ruin your life. So you have to be vigilant against yourself. You have to trick yourself, force yourself, fight yourself, make yourself do the things you don't want to do. That's your only chance of success. Now, now you can get away with that for the first season of life. Um, you don't need much self-awareness to be successful in your 20s and 30s. You can just fight and force, use willpower, get it done. When you're young, you've got energy to waste. So you don't have to be efficient either. You can steal from Peter the pay Paul. You can stay up all night. You can exist on Red Bulls and caffeine. Uh, but you get to midlife and there's a few dilemmas with that strategy that create some problems. So because it's such an unkind strategy, I think your unconscious eventually goes, 
could we not play this game anymore? Like, it's so unfair the way you treat me. Imagine you were treated like that by someone else. Imagine someone was managing you. Someone was tricking you, forcing you, fighting you, (laughs) just assuming the worst of you all the time and thought their only chance of getting productivity from you was to constantly ride you. How would that feel? Um, If you've ever been in that situation, you always feel hardly done by. It's a misunderstanding. If a boss does that to you, um, they haven't understood who you are and what's going on. So to do that to yourself eventually creates a massive angst between you. And so if you want to actually understand success in the second half of life, you got to realize that it's going to be done by making peace with yourself, by examining what's really going on inside and realizing all your worst thoughts about yourself are misunderstandings. And so I I think Self-permission is a far more beautiful, more sustainable, more powerful source of motivation than self-discipline could ever be. And very rare, most people don't understand it, but you want to do better in business. In fact, you want to do better in anything, especially from midlife and beyond. And self-permission is is, um, such a beautiful and life-giving way to live. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I can relate to everything you just said. Uh, as I'm sure that other people will be able to. And I've never heard it put that way, which is why I love your thought leadership, which is why you're on the podcast. Um, So everything that you said about self-discipline. So I'm a pretty disciplined person. Um, I'm pretty organised. Maybe it's uh, more of a learned thing and a survival thing, but exactly what you said so I can you know when I was young and I you know when I was younger I helped our family scale their business from 10 to 100 million right and I loved it (laughs) I'd work around the clock and seven days a week and I never ran out of energy right um and the success that I had doing it was was amazing but I'm in the second half of life and all these things that you just said I can totally relate to so I don't have the same amount of energy but I am still trying to run on self-discipline. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> there's no judgment around that. Maybe people are not aware that, that what they're doing. So if you can take a step back and just examine that and just think clearly about how it would feel if someone was managing you and think there, there must be a better way. So I love talking to exhausted people because they're ready for a different way of thinking about it. And I find a lot of people in midlife are really frustrated and disappointed or even disillusioned with themselves because they're watching their energy wane and they're frustrated. They can't just get it done like they've always been able to. They don't have the same energy. They don't have the same capacity for all-nighters and just getting it done. And so there's some residual trauma they've built up in their own body around you know, constantly meeting deadlines and forcing and fighting and problem-solving on the run. Uh, but, yeah, the beautiful thing that happens is if you can consider that your unconscious is grabbing your attention pleading with you to go could we not do this relationship like this anymore please by the love of god could we sit down and work this out because you don't understand you've misunderstood me i I, you don't trust me you manage me and that's all because some stuff's gone down in the past that you've tried to do things certain way it hasn't worked out the way you wanted you've formed assumptions about yourself that are that were really bad, you've doubled down on that. You think that's true and you're still treating yourself like you can't be trusted. And you just make this subject make so much sense, (laughs) Um, which I think the thought leadership like this, which is so unique to be able to make sense of it is incredible. So I guess next I've got, I guess I've got a few questions and I'm going to tell you a few of them so we can try and explore them, uh, explore them all. So one is kind of, 
How does self-discipline compare to self-permission? How would one go about, you know, making, learning from this, making the transition, working with you, any of those things? And the last one is, I guess, any examples that you can give us of, because it's really timing that Jamin and I chatted today because I was only just chatting to a client today. And one of the things that's really holding him back that I've identified and not just I've identified, uh, but other great people have identified is that um, he berates himself a lot. And he's such a high value person with so much to give, but that's giving well to, way to self-sabotage. And I can see so much of this in what's happening with him as well. So I guess um, examples of people that you've worked with that are getting results in this space too. So yeah, kind of what is it all about? What is self-permission? Um, and how do we how do we harness it and and make it help us be bigger and and do better? Mm, sure. So I get that this word is a, a little foreign for most people. So I'll I'll try and explain it as thoroughly as I can. So here's here's the first really important distinction around self permission is that self permission is granted from the unconscious, not given from the conscious. So what I mean by that is I hear people go. I really need to give myself permission to rest. I really need to give myself permission to not care what others think. I need to give myself permission to have more fun and take it easy. Um, But that still is self-discipline energy. That is forcing yourself to do the thing you don't want to do, the thing that doesn't come naturally. It's still managing yourself. So it's kind of given. You're giving yourself from the conscious, which is weird. Self-permission is granted from the unconscious when you satisfy the conditions required to make your life safe. Let me explain it like this. It's imagine you're running a factory and the safety officer comes on site, blows the whistle, hits the emergency stop button, says, tools down everybody. Um, I've got some real safety concerns with this setup. And everyone blows up because now we're not making any money. There's no productivity and profit. Uh, but the safety officer says, hey, listen, like this blade's about to vibrate loose. This floorboard is cracked. This, this lead is, is about to short. Someone's going to die here if you keep powering up. Does anyone want to die? No, I didn't think so. So I'm not your enemy. I want productivity and profit just as much as you, but your success must also be safe. So there are some serious safety concerns that you must address before you have permission to get back to work. So if you think about it like that, so you think about your unconscious coming to you, grabbing your attention, going, your setup is not safe. You're a crazy person. Like you drive everything out of this need to prove and defend and perform and it's not sustainable and we're not 20 anymore. So it's not safe. And if I just give you access to energy and motivation, you're going to run this ship aground. So there are some things on my clipboard that will need to be addressed for you to be granted permission to show up again, energized, motivated, wholehearted. So you said, um, so the self-permission is granted from the subconscious and I, mm-hmm. I can relate to that. Okay. So it's not like when I say, for example, with me, um, I lo- like I love all things health and you know that. And I really think that we have to get ourselves and our health right in order to perform well at work anyway. Right. And I see this stuff a little bit in that space. So for example, I might say, well, I'm giving myself permission to go to the gym this morning instead of work, but I still feel a bit guilty that I'm not tied to my desk or something like that right right yeah, but so, how, so you're saying this is about safety 
when we make ourselves safe. 100%. If you can see it as a safety issue, then you realize this is a very loving conversation between yourself. And so there are four general areas that the safety officer is going to need for you to address before you will be granted permission to power up in the second half of life. Okay. What are the four areas? Um, First is trust. So you do not trust yourself is the first safety issue. And that is evidenced by the fact you're managing yourself. You don't trust yourself. You don't trust your natural state to get you what you want. You think your natural state will take you away from what you want. So you're managing yourself versus trusting your natural state. And I feel like I have that that tug of war myself, if that makes Mm. sense, because there's a side of me that trusts myself. And then I actually question the side that trusts myself. Uh, So it's like, I know everything's going to be cool. I know I've got this. I actually you know what, I'm financially, emotionally, all of this secure and safe. So why do I need to chase something? You know, I know everything will happen in good time. But then there's this side of me and it almost is like that younger side that says, hang on a sec, this is not how you've always operated. Uh, so it's that that tug of war. Yeah, you can relate to that too. 100%, that is the tug of war. People think they trust themselves or they trust themselves in certain areas, but behavior never lies. It, it betrays the fact that part of you is concerned that if you relax, take the pressure off, you will go further away from your goals, that your natural state has a problem to it. And so your unconscious is going, that's so unfair and so unkind. And, and it's dangerous because you go into the world and you have no strength in your core. There's no safety internally. You are at sea. If things don't work out the way you like, you have to trust other people to solve the problem. So can we resolve this trust issue? Can we examine where it is that we broke trust together in the first place? You know, my work with the Insecurity Project, it's always a journey back into the past. It's always a, a willingness to review the experiences you've had that haven't gone well and you've formed opinions about yourself that have, have been in some way a betrayal. So you've kind of sided with what others think about you or sided with the worst idea you could form about you and kind of separated from yourself and betrayed your natural state then and there's been this separation ever since. And so you, your unconscious kind of lets you go on because you're like, oh, well, there's nothing that can be done about it. But then at some point, your unconscious goes, could we please, please, please resolve this lack of trust and examine what it was that broke trust in the first place and go back all the way back. And what are the other three? So then, so when you resolve trust, the second thing is the operating system. So with 100% certainty, that'll be on the list. That'll be on the clipboard. And and what I mean by that is every human needs certainty, variety, significance, love, contribution, and growth. The six core needs as as introduced by Tony Robbins. I reckon it's his finest contribution. Now, when you're a kid, you can only look outside yourself for all of those needs to be fulfilled. So he kind of all these transactions, what behavior will get me like? What, what performance will get me accepted? Where do I find certainty from the people around me? So you're kind of always changing and conforming to get your needs met, which is, there's no judgment. But if you're still operating as an adult, externally referenced, I need you to like me, you to accept me, you to believe in me. If you don't think I'm doing the right thing, I'm, I'm kind of unsure myself, then you are unsafe. Because to bring your best to the world, not everyone's going to be cheering you on. Not everyone's going to be celebrating. Some people think you're doing it wrong. Everyone's got an opinion. So if you haven't upgraded your operating system to the adult version, which is all internal certainty, internal significance, internal love, validate your own existence, then you're, you're in trouble. You're precariously placed. 
most people kind of think about being an adult physically and financially. I'm self-sufficient. I can dress myself, feed myself and earn my own money. But the idea of emotional, relational, intellectual, psychological self-sufficiency, what's that? And so most people, while they're physically adults, are still emotionally, intellectually, psychologically childish and dependent upon everybody else. And if people don't give you what you need, then you're in lack and you have to retreat from the world and you're in danger. So that's on the list as well, the upgraded operating system. Wow. Um, so for listeners, if you if that sounded a little new to you, if you could Google uh, human needs, and yes, Tony Robbins has a great little human needs test. It, ultimately, it comes from a bigger uh, psychology set, but the human needs, um, jump on. I actually ask all of my clients to assess their human needs. I talk about human needs. Um, but if I understand you correctly, Jamin, you're saying rather than seek to have the human need it, needs filled externally, we need to be able to fill them internally. 100%. Well, that's, yep, that is, okay. that's the adult work to become self-sufficient. Uh, and if you don't, that's dangerous and your unconscious will want to have a conversation with you before giving you power, giving you permission to go and play in the world again. Yeah, I guess when I delved into this, finding out my top two, two human needs of growth and contribution, and I think from what you're saying now, for me, it was mind-blowing in a great way, but it also told me what my drivers were when maybe they didn't need to be my drivers, if that makes sense, you know, like what is driving you and is it serving you when it's driving you? Um, so... Yeah, that was really, really, really fascinating. Um, so on to your number three. So number three is gamification. Mm -hmm. Now that that is a beautiful idea. It just means applying game concepts to non-game domains. So the third thing on the list for the safety officer will be to get awareness about the games you are playing and to understand that whether you like it or not, whether you think you are or not, you are involved in a whole series of games and if you don't know the games that you are playing and you don't understand the rules of the game, you will be losing. So you will be inadvertently playing games that others have invited you into or others have expected you to play. And because you're in there without intention or awareness, then it won't be a great experience. So in order to be safe again, you have to get clear about the kind of games you want to be playing and to understand the rules you'd like to set for those games. For instance, an example of this would be I, like you, run a podcast. Now, yep. podcasting is a game, the, the game of podcasting. Now, if I'm not clear about the fact that I'm playing a game, I just think I'm podcasting, I'll just unconsciously be drawn into a bigger game and podcasting, and I'll listen to the loudest voice in the podcasting space and assume that I'm supposed to just keep producing content and play someone else's game. Like there are lots of different games being played. For instance, the person with the most episodes wins. The person with the longest episode wins. The person with the nicest graphics wins. Um, you know, you listen to a, a Joe Rogan or, and you think, oh, okay, you just clearly got to talk for a long time and smoke weed while you're doing it. That's how you, that's how you play. And so you think, oh, I'm not talking long enough or I'm not doing enough podcasts or other podcasters are putting one out twice a week. Some putting out every day. And you think, oh, that's, I must be doing that too. And so for me, I had to go, hang on a minute, what game am I playing? Uh, well, the game I'm playing is quality over quantity. So if I have nothing to say, I will say nothing. Whether that means I don't put out a podcast this week or next week, that's fine. <laughs> because every time someone gets on my podcast, I want them to know that this is thought through. It's meaningful. I'm not just adding to the noise. They're not going to regret listening. Also, the rules of my game is 
do not add to the noise. So short talk as short as possible. Get straight to the point. Do not waste people's listening time. So I'm looking for 10 minutes, not three hours. And the final rule of my podcasting is I do not have guests on my show that disagree with me. Now, other people are playing all kinds of different rules. Some people think that means I'm in an echo chamber. But the game I'm playing on the Insecurity Project podcast is to present a message to my audience where they they are convinced that insecurity is a solvable problem. So why would I have someone on my show who doesn't believe that, who thinks, no, you can't solve it, you just got to manage it and confuse my audience just because I need another episode to, to mean I've got a certain number that proves I'm being successful, that that's not the game I'm playing. And so if I'm not clear about the game, then why would my unconscious give me energy to go play? Because I'm likely to be sucked up in a game that's wasting my time and energy that I'm not even sure why I'm playing and I'll lose. But if I've gone, this is the game I'm playing. This is the kind of business I'm running. This is the kind of marriage I'm having. This is the kind of family experience that I'm designing. This is the kind of friend I'm being and understand the games and the rules, then I can play wholeheartedly. Wow. I can so relate to that too. For myself, for my clients, um, it just starts. And it, look, it sounded a little, a little akin to being true to yourself as well. And also the whole comparison thing, you know, the comparison being the thief of joy. I heard that once and I think it's, mm. it's awesome. Um, comparison is the thief of joy. And just creating your own rules as well and being yeah. okay with that. Yep. Uh, so I can really... I can, I guess I feel like when you share your thought leadership, it just clicks with me and it feels like it was there for me, but I couldn't put it into words either. We're definitely of the same tribe. (laughs) So I can really, and I was thinking about that client of mine um, that is struggling with a lot of things that aren't the facts and figures. So this is what I talk about, you know, to do better in business, we we need to get the facts and figures right, right? But... (laughs) There's so much more. There's mindset and there's health and there's all these other things that I see the you factor where clients fall over. So I can relate to this. And what's um, the, so you said there were four things, yes? What's the fourth? So the fourth is the avatar required to win the game. Avatar is a Hindu word meaning the embodiment of an, an ideal or a person. And so avatar is a is a great way of thinking about the persona that you take on in order to play the game well. So for instance, if you if you want to play basketball and you're serious about playing basketball, you don't show up wearing a netball skirt. You show up with basketball shoes on, basketball shorts on, basketball singlet on, headband, arm guard you know, bouncing a basketball, you show up looking like a basketball player. If you show up looking like a farmer, looking like a writer, looking like a office worker, like you're just not in the right space. How are you supposed to win a game if you're not even showing up like a person who plays that game? So, you know, I've written five books and it took me a while to understand the importance of this part and why it's so safe and why it's so central to the upgrade. Because to write a book, it's not just clear about the game okay the game is i'm writing a personal development book i'm writing a non-fiction book so the game around it's not just writing it's then editing and then it's promoting so there's three games within a game but then the question is who would you need to be in order to win at that game you'd have to be a writer you'd have to dress like a writer you'd have to talk like a writer you'd have to get out of bed like a writer you'd have to drink coffee like a writer And so for me to win at that game, I had to take on a persona, a writing persona. And so for me, the avatar I developed was kind of an Ernest Hemingway, angry at the world, tormented artist persona. 
to drop into. They're like, I, I put on five kilos, I got dandruff in my hair, I you know, had coffee cups throughout the office. I'd be smoking cigarettes if that wasn't incongruent, but it was just like, <laughs> I'm wrestling I'm, and I'm in it. But I, if I'm Ernest Hemingway, well, I, I have access to brilliance, to creativity. If I'm just Jamin trying to write a book, then I'm playing basketball wearing a netball skirt. So the, the realisation that I'm not just playing one game too, I'm trying to be a writer, but I'm also a husband. I'm also a father. I'm also a business owner. I'm also a coach. Yes. And so there's a yes. bunch of different games that require different characters. So do I have different ways of showing up or have I only got one way of showing up? Am I just going to be a writer everywhere? So I'm a grump all the time. You know, I'm <laughs> nocturnal all the time. I'm agitated all the time. Well, that's ridiculous because I have lots of important games. And so that game finishes now and then I go and get changed and play another game. So if I can show up as the right person for the right game, gee, that creates safety for me. And my unconscious goes, beautiful. That's so good. Now I can power up permission to perform, permission to succeed, permission to have energy. You are now trustworthy. You are now safe. You've got the structure in your world where you can handle success. You're not going to ruin your life with more motivation and more energy. You, you, so let, let's go. Let's have fun with this. So yeah, they're the four. Trust, operating system, gamification, and avatar. Yeah, fascinating. I mean, I talk about the different hats we wear and I tend to think in business or the way that I, I kind of look at things is, yes, we have to show up as with the hat on that's going to, you know, in the role that we have to do. So if I'm going to be a manager, I have to show up with the ability to organise, to, uh, to plan, organise, staff, control and direct. And I hate doing those things, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not very good at wearing that hat. So then I tend to think, well, if I'm really, if I'm unable or unwilling to show up, then I'm going to have to get somebody to do that role for me. Right. And w- yeah, where I see business owners really fall over is that even if it completely, it's just not them, they're like a giraffe putting on an elephant suit, right? They're still a giraffe. They may have an elephant suit on, but they have, sometimes they refuse to take on the team to support them and maybe show up in those roles because we, I just feel like we, we're not, we don't always have the desire to, to show. And also a bit like you said, first season, second season, I feel like, I had or I had the desire to show up in a certain way in the first season of my life and I feel differently now, you know. Um, and certainly I have an amazing team that uh, allows me to do that, um, but I can relate to the avatars so much. But the way that you explained it and conveyed it really was so helpful to me. I've just working with an editor at the moment finishing a book so I can totally relate to that had I heard that before it would have really helped (laughs) well yeah and and it definitely goes hand in hand with the games so if you get clear about the fact for instance you're playing basketball well basketball is a team game if you're running marathons, that's oh, an individual okay. game. So what kind of business are you running? Are you running an individual business or a team business? Get clear about the game and not just because you've found yourself in this game, like that's the adult responsibility. Be clear about the, the kind of game you want to be playing and understand the rules of that game and then either develop the personas to win at that game or build a team around that. But either way, you're going to need avatars to win at that game. So you're playing a team sport, you're going to need five players on the team so you can win. You won't win as an individual. You've chosen the wrong game. That's not safe. If you're a one-man band playing a team sport, you don't have permission to succeed. 
that's ridiculous. So you've, you haven't thought this through properly. Be clear about okay, the game first, then develop the characters required to win at that game. Now, you said you've written five books, wasn't it? Mm. Okay. And um, I certainly want to continue the conversation. I want to know more about how I can benefit from this, and I think listeners will too. And so I guess I just want to know what do you think is next for all of us in order to do better in business and in life? Should we grab a copy of your book should we i know on the website there's also some uh copies of like there's some examples of success that people have had with you which is great i think that's you know go and read about that but tell us what should we do next to do better in business and life with jamin with you Mm, well if if what i'm saying is resonating and you're willing to consider a very different approach and perhaps you are exhausted and this is a breath of fresh air, there's a, there's a test you can do, a quiz, which is a midlife performance review, which would just help you assess yourself across those four things. Do you trust yourself? You might think you do. Well, find out for sure. Have you upgraded the operating system? You might think so, but find out for sure. Uh, are you clear about the games you're playing? You might not even know you were playing games. Have you built the personas? Well, take the test, find out. And then at least you've got eyes on the work to do. Uh, so I think that'd be the, the thing that I do suggest as the next step. Um, you know, and then if you find that trust is the thing you, you are lacking, well, ultimately that's going to be an insecurity issue. So all my work around the insecurity project is the structure around how does anyone resolve this fear that there's something wrong with them or bad about them, which is causing them not to trust in the first place. So the seven essential practices for overcoming insecurity would be the go-to book to resolve that issue. Uh, but yeah, you can find all those resources and more on my website, jaymanfraser.com or theinsecurityproject.com. Okay. And we'll put all that in the show notes. I love that because I loved everything I learned today. And for me, it was like, what do I do, Joy? You know, and it is, it's a lot to pick up a book and read the whole mm. book. And so the idea that we can get started w- online with, what did you call it? The, the Midlife Performance Review. Okay, midlife performance review, because just like you said, it's kind of can feel the, you know, yes, I'm doing well in certain areas, Mm. but as you said, let's jump on and find out, well, how well am I doing? (laughs) So I love the midlife performance review. I'm going to jump on and do that myself. Thanks for tuning in. As always, check out the show notes for your free Better in Business tools and visit geniesavage.com for more information on how to work with me and also Jamin. See you in the next episode.